gentlemen, this is Paused Reviews, the podcast where Tim and I watch all the stuff. We watch all the stuff. So you don't have to. We find what's good, what's bad, and try to help you find something great to watch tonight. And sometimes we just torture each other. Yeah. Yeah, Tim. <laughs> yeah. You know, I <laughs> we're just going to jump in this. Is that what we're going to do? Uh- I mean, we can because I've got I've got some words for you, my friend. You know, I know. I, I make you watch a lot of things. Yeah, I take yeah. pride though in in saying like like I'll watch something and I'll say, you know, I know Tim's not a superhero guy, or I know Tim's not uh, X, Y, or Z, but this is an element that exists in this movie that I think he could get behind. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I could expose him to something new. You know, expand his his palate a little bit, as it were. Yeah, yeah. You know? But in yep. the end, he'll still like it. Yeah. So I thought, in that vein of, you know, mutual respect, <laughs> friendship, uh, <laughs> um, professionalism, that <laughs> you recommended a movie to me. Yep. And I, I, you know what? I backtrack. Recommend is a strong word. Right. You yeah, requested I watch something. Yeah, let's be fair. I mean, I think I'm just returning the favor from when you made me watch uh, Don Juan DeMarco. That <laughs> it, it, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I just waited a year to return that favor. Wait. OK, wait. First, <laughs> first of all, that was a listener request. <laughs> Second of all, and we accept all listener requests. Without well, that's not true. There was I dis- one I refused to watch. <laughs> I distinctly remember you telling me how much you loved this movie, though. But I also, <laughs> but I also said it wasn't good. So did but, I not do the same you, thing? You really did. <laughs> and and <laughs> part of what makes it so funny, I completely forgot about Don Juan de Marco again. And I said, I think I said in that episode, I think I said. This is a movie you will watch and forget about. Forget you. Like, I've completely forgotten that we watched that movie. It is I gone from my synapses. I did not because I believe on your Voodoo account, it's in the wish list. And every time I'm scrolling through Voodoo, is, there it is in the oh, wish list. Okay, wait. To be, <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, it's in there because that's Voodoo's like shopping cart. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was uh-huh. like, oh, if I have to, I think I put it there to remember to rent it or whatever we did. And look, listen, you're not wrong. <laughs> and <laughs> and I'm glad you reminded me because I feel like now I owe you an apology. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I had every intention to light you up tonight. Oh, and, yeah. and I feel, I feel legless. I feel, I feel completely uh, disarmed, alone. <laughs> And and so sorry that I that I forgot about that. I would say yes, we're even, Tim. We're even. Yep. All right. So to to kind of let everyone else in on on what the hell we're talking about. Yep. Tim, you wanted me to watch a movie. What what did you ask me to watch? So it's been bubbling in the back of my brain, and I think I, I mentioned it a while ago. And I know historically that this is a bad movie, and everybody feels this way. Um, but it popped in my brain, my brain again recently because um, the the hip hop artist known as Shock G, otherwise Humpty Hump, recently mm-hmm. passed away. Mm-hmm. 
And that reminded me of this movie that I, I watch every once in a while, every couple of years, uh, a movie from 1991 called Nothing But Trouble. And it is a stellar cast for early 90s. Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, Demi Moore. Um, it, it literally is stacked. I mean, this movie is stacked. Yes, um, everyone that you would have wanted to see in a late 80s, early 90s comedy. With the exception um, of Demi Moore. Yeah, yeah. correct. Because <laughs> uh, she's just not funny. Uh, <laughs> but, um, and it's a movie that like my mom taped off TV when I was a kid. I love Dan Aykroyd, obviously. I love John Candy. Um, I love Chevy Chase. So why wouldn't I like this movie? I don't know if my mom had seen it previously or what. But it's one of those ones where she taped it off TV. I'm probably missing the first 15 minutes of this movie for most of my life until I you know, started watching it on streaming services or until I found it on YouTube. Um, but this movie is universally reviled, like completely yeah. reviled. But I love this movie. I, it, <laughs> it is weird. It is creepy. And I told you that you will understand parts of my being <laughs> and mm. why I my aesthetic and my interests are in more macabre weird things because this movie is macabre and weird yes so this week tim requested we watch nothing but trouble from 1991 in watching that we we just sort of jumped off on all kinds of conversations which we've we've often had about you know things that you watch as a child is it good now is it not (laughs) don't want a prime example um (laughs) And, uh, you know, so, so that led me to, to request that we watch This Is 40, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we'll get into the why behind that as, as yep. we explore these things. And then lastly, this week, we're going to talk about the brand new fresh off the presses. That's not a thing. They're not presses. That's not what you say about movies. But we're going to talk about the new release of uh, of Lin-Manuel Miranda's In the Heights, which came to HBO Max and theaters this week, this past week. Yeah. A week uh, ago when this airs. It'll be yeah, like Friday. Last, yeah. 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 So last Friday, In the Heights dropped in theaters and same day on HBO Max. It's available on HBO Max until July 4th, I think. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to be talking about that. At length, I think we have some pretty strong feelings and lots of questions, stuff we loved, stuff that we maybe didn't care so much for or mm-hmm. or just felt a way about. So I think we're going to dedicate the largest chunk of this episode to that. And yep. that's going to be this week's Rewind. Um, so all that being said, we've kind of already started with some of the the chatter about nothing yeah. but trouble, nothing but trouble. Like Tim said from 1991 Dan Aykroyd written and directed by Dan Aykroyd, but Dan Aykroyd's in it. Uh, Chevy chase, John candy, uh, Demi Moore, Taylor Negron is in it. Yep. Um, people that you totally recognize from this period of film. And Tupac. To- <laughs> God, we'll get to that. Um, I was so surprised in that scene when he just starts, you know, attempting to sing. Uh-huh. And I was like, what is happening right now? I love that song. I absolutely love that song. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought it was awful. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so from 1991. Unfortunately, it's not available anywhere for free. Unless yeah, maybe I'm you bummed. can find it on, like, YouTube or something. But we it, did rent it for $3.99. Yeah. It had been on, uh, it had been on Vudu for a long, 
long time. Yeah. Um, but don't don't spend money on this. <laughs> I mean, honestly, do not. Seriously, don't. Uh, it has a 13% Rotten Tomato score, but as if to vindicate you, Tim, 47% audience score. Yeah, uh, th- I think uh, there was... Was it 5 out of 10 on IMDb? Is that what I saw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like 5.1, something like that. And This Is 40 is like 6 point something out of 10. <laughs> so it's eh. a. It, I would classify that as a cult classic. You know, it has its yeah. niche. And, yep. and I'm sure there's a lot of people who either saw it when they were young or, or didn't and, it, and consider it so bad it's good. Could I? Yeah. I know I do most of the talking. Yeah. But I feel like can I can I give my impression yes. and then maybe ask you some questions? Absolutely. All right. Fire away. So, I will say the first 2 to 3 minutes of this movie, I I think I gathered that your intention was for me to watch this and feel strongly negatively about it. Oh yeah, that's yep. Yep. And the first couple of minutes I was like, I think I'm going to disappoint Tim because the opening moments we're kind of hitting what I wanted it to be, right? Okay. Chevy Chase being his most Chevy Chase. Alyssa started watching it with me, and even she was kind of laughing. There's a scene when it opens where Chevy Chase, he arrives at his apartment, and then uh, he gets off of the elevator. He sees Demi Moore. He makes it so they end up in the elevator together. Things happen. She has to rush off, and he's left okay. holding all of her stuff, which includes an espresso maker, and a bag of dog crap. <laughs> and then and he's just looking at it. And he just looks down and just very matter of fact is like, all right, thanks for the espresso maker and the bag of shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's just, it's classic delivery. It's great. That's the best part of the movie. Yep. From there, it spirals into a weird, like twisted, if you could say like a twisted chainsaw massacre, that's what this is. It's wor- like it's more twisted than that. It, it, it's it's chainsaw meets House of a Thousand Corpses meets Hills Have Eyes meets like, Rocky Horror Picture yeah. Show. Maybe like yeah. it's it is so weird. The general <laughs> idea is Chevy Chase and Demi Moore and two of their friends end up on a road trip to Atlantic City. They go through this real small bumpkin town in Pennsylvania called, what is it? Val- Falconvania? Falconvania. Actually, I think it's just Southern Jersey because there's no reason they'd end up in Pennsylvania. Yeah, oh, that's true. But that confused the shit out of me when I was a kid because <laughs> Falconvania, Pennsylvania, uh, there's a, a, a place in Pennsylvania that, Pen- I don't even say Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. You said it now so much it's weird. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a place uh where there are coal fires, uh, a town um, that like there's burning coal fires underneath of it, and the town is closed. So oh, in my brain, Centralia, Centralia, Pennsylvania. Mm. Um, so I just always assumed that this had more of a Pennsylvania look than a South Jersey Pine Barrens look. But I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff in South Jersey. So <laughs> in the slower lower, <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, so they they end up they run a stoplight and. And then John Candy's the cop. Dan Aykroyd is like the magistrate judge or whatever in this town. Yep. And they end up getting arrested and taken to 
Dan Aykroyd's house, which is like a house of a thousand horrors. <laughs> and uh, and they're basically kept there on all kinds of absurd and ridiculous pretenses. Mm-hmm. And, and you find out a very rough patch thrown together uh, backstory of this mm-hmm. real, you know, remote family. Yep. Um, they're all related. Like I said, very chainsaw. And and, yeah. and so Demi Moore and, and Chevy Chase and all of them have to find a way to escape the clutches of this really twisted family. Um, <laughs> where do I go from here? You know, I don't think we need to delve too much or too far into the the what. Um, but I have questions for you about the why. I will say this. So in watching it, when did you... So question number one. How old were you when you first saw this? Uh, I had to, let's see, it came out in 91. We were living in Delaware. We moved to Delaware in the summer of 91. So I'd say I couldn't have been older than 10. Like, okay. I was in 91, I was seven. Yeah. So I, I, it was definitely at a time when it would have been on TV because again my mom taped it off of TV. So yeah, I you know I was I I have I had to have been ten at least like I, at an age where I'm like this was probably somewhat inappropriate for me to be watching <laughs> like right but not not like absurdly inappropriate yeah yeah so I ask that because knowing. Who I know is Tim today. Yeah. Yeah. I can absolutely see the injection of this film during formative years of yeah. your mental space yep. and how this triggered. Like, you know, your love of uh Nightmare Before Christmas and and all kinds of stuff. Plus you already you're already very young at heart as it is. Like yeah. You know, you've got the the love of the macabre, but you're also a big Disney guy. Yeah, you know, we've we've covered many shows and movies on this podcast <laughs> that that you've watched it at almost inappropriate old ages. <laughs> well, that that's mainly my wife, but yes, <laughs> okay, okay, Tim. Um, but I will say this is so in your canon that it's crazy. Uh, I could see why you loved it as a kid. I think most kids would have been traumatized to the point where there were scenes I was I was eating lunch finishing up this movie <laughs> yeah. and and I had to stop because it's in in times it is grotesque enough yep. that like I was like oh I can't eat and watch this and I couldn't yeah. imagine being a kid and watching it and being like oh I like this I would have yeah. had nightmares about it I I mean it add in this that like this and ghostbusters and stripes and um the great outdoors to uh, some degree these movies were in heavy rotation for me at at, at a young age oh but so, this doesn't sit on the level of those but i'm not but but the actors right like at, at, uh, at yes that, at, yes you know at that age you're like oh i like them right i'm not thinking about the, you know home alone john candy like that that those movies that's just stuff Groundhog's Day. Um, yes, some of these are better. And as an adult, you're like, oh, I know which ones I, you know, are good. Um, but, you know, it, it's, oh, yeah, these people are in it. I'm going to like it. Um, and it was weird and it was goofy. Um, but then one of the things that I did a lot of growing up was going to antique 
shopping and antique malls and weird side of the road houses that sold, you know, antiques. So like the whole aesthetic of this film is not lost on me and is mm. sort of a a comfortably weird thing. <laughs> like So, you know what it reminded me of? And I and I would say this. If as a kid you watched stuff like this, if if you were into this type of thing, mm-hmm. um honestly, if you were into this type of thing, you've probably seen this movie. But yeah. uh, but it reminded me I had friends, you know, when I got older, who grew up watching shows like Garbage Pail Kids or yeah. saw the movie The Garbage Pail Kids and and found that hysterical. You know, I can see like a love of Tom Green in this. Mm-hmm. You know, if you mm-hmm. as a teenager really were into Tom Green and his brand of comedy, um, if you liked, you know, and, and if you like horror and gore and that kind of stuff, I'm not saying that's what this is. But this is kind of an amalgam of sort of all of that, like grotesque for the sake of comedy, yeah. uh, weird for the sake of weird, yeah. twisted for the sake of no. I mean, writing goes out the window. Oh yeah, this movie is awful. It makes no sense. You end mm-hmm. up places and you have no idea how you got there. My yeah. biggest questions were just like, I mean, this. So it's story by Peter Aykroyd and screenplay by Dan Aykroyd. He directed it. I just see them in like a drunken haze, just having hilarious conversations with each other on a long weekend. And then, you know, he had put in his dues and said, screw it. Let's make that movie that we're always talking about just for the heck of it. I can't imagine he made this with the intention of it ever being seen as anything positive. It just feels like... He had to get it off his brain. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny that you say, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because that actually did have a little bit of bearing on it. Um, and even, even like, being a variation on Rocky Horror, because that's a, a, what a lot of critics said. But the, the idea kind of came around because um, Dan Aykroyd went to see Hellraiser with... Uh, with a, a friend uh, in 1987 and they wanted to go see a horror movie and this kind of weird Hellraiser-esque situation mixed in with a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, Beetlejuice, I guess. There, there's just oh, all these yeah. things factor, you know, all these things sort of factor into it, right? Um, there's just, there's, there's influences are there. And I think you're right. Like, I think if we went down a rabbit hole and spent a lot of time looking, I think we'd probably find, you know, reasons why this movie ended up getting made um but it's it's just it's just so weird and you're absolutely right nothing really happens in the end it's It's so bad okay so look it's bad it's awful if anything we've said sounds like you like oh i love this be you know but but you gotta be careful i like beetlejuice Hate yeah. this movie. Like, it, it, it can't be, yes, I like that one thing. Yep. You have to really appreciate weird stuff and, like, weird humor and and just, you know, whatever. It, it's yep. to, to even, as an adult, have any appreciation, I think, for this movie. This is definitely firmly one. If you saw it as a kid, I could yep. see what you liked about it. Yep. Um, and that it's a guilty pleasure cult thing for you now. Yeah, yep. yeah, but you know, if you've never seen this before, unless you check a lot of very specific boxes, 
Yep. You ain't the demo anymore. If you, if you, uh, and I will say, if you want to do a, you know, terrible movie night, like if you do that, something you do with your group of friends. No, 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 no. Do it. No, 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 don't do this. Watch like the lake house. (laughs) Don't, don't watch this. (laughs) Like if, if I had the choice between watching this movie one more time and then watching anything else. For the rest John of my life, Andy, John or in drag, like I could only watch like Battlefield Earth for the rest of my life. <laughs> I would watch Battlefield Earth for the rest of my life nope. to not watch this movie again. I, I am watching this forever and ever <laughs> and ever, and I can but, I can appreciate that. So that so this this is what's stirring this conversation, right? Because it sort of we talked about this with this is forty because I, I absolutely agree with you that. Had I seen this movie today, given what we've been doing for the last year and a half, mm-hmm. it's you know you'd be like, oh, what the heck? These guys are pedigree. What is this garbage? Right? So confusing. Um, and you just—it's it, just lost on you. I saw Goonies at a very older age. I saw Goonies in 2014 for the first time, mm-hmm. and Carissa bought it for me as a birthday present because she's like, you have to see this movie. And I'm like, okay, I mean, fine. I can see that if I saw it when I was 10, that movie would be gold to me. And I can appreciate that people love it. But seeing it at age 30, 29, doesn't doesn't hold a candle to what that experience would have been. That's true. And I think... That's so interesting because I also would have pegged you. If I had heard you never saw The Goonies, I would have been like, oh, you'll like this movie. Yeah. Just because you have such a firm background in stuff like that. I would have yeah. thought as an adult you could have like disconnected and gone to your child, your inner child and yeah. found a love for it. But uh, but it also doesn't surprise me at all that you couldn't. I agree with you yeah. completely. I, absolutely. Just, I think Goonies is totally overrated, but it's not made for adults. It's really yeah. not. There are things that fill that void. You know, like I'll watch, I don't know, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark or Bro, something like yes, that. Right. Yes. And that that fills for me what Goonies is. And I could, I'm sure there's other ones that I could think of that are a little bit more in line. But to that end, this conversation sort of flips with this is 40. Right. Yeah. So a movie that maybe we you saw too young. Yes. Yes. So what a great transition. This is 40. On a whim, I decided to give this one another shot. And you know what stood out to me was the title. And I Mm -hmm. think actually what had happened was I was in in a YouTube black hole of gag reels and blooper reels and whatever. Yeah. And I had seen some Anchorman ones, whatever. And so following the Paul Rudd thread, I had found myself watching bloopers from This Is 40. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, I don't remember any of this. And and the bloopers were funny and, and it was what it was. So I said, maybe I need to revisit this movie. Yeah. So I threw it on for just, you know, S's and G's over the weekend. Yep. And I couldn't stop laughing and i remember watching this movie when it came out it was billed as this sequel to knocked up it came out in 2012 you know paul rudd and leslie mann reprising their same roles from knocked Mm up and you know i loved that movie i really enjoyed knocked up a lot of people did i think when this movie came out people went in there expecting a solid 
albeit loose sequel. I, it was always billed as the loose sequel to Knocked Up. It yeah. was never supposed to be like a true sequel. But you can't separate that, especially when one has the success that it had. Right? Yeah, I mean, the, the tagline on the movie poster was even the sort of sequel to Knocked Up. Right, right. And so I think a lot of things were working against this movie in 2012, and I fell into that trap. When I saw this, I didn't think it was funny. I don't remember laughing. I remember hating it, right? And it has like a 50-something score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is mirrored on both sides. I think it's like 51% critics and like 54% audience. It's not great. So I threw it on, and I was shocked as to why I was laughing so much. And... It made me think. We have talked so many times about movies that we saw when we were young and loved them, and then you continue that love when you get older, even yep. if it's a bad movie. This was a movie I was realizing that I was too young when I saw it. I expected something different than what they were promising, yep. right? And and it just didn't click. I mean, clue number one, don't go see a movie called This Is 40 if you're 20-something. Yeah. But as now 37, married, two kids, I couldn't stop laughing. So I wanted to talk about it this week because odds are you've seen this, right? Mm -hmm. If you're our mm -hmm. age, you, you enjoyed Knocked Up, you liked 40-Year-Old Virgin, and you went and saw This Is 40, and you were grossly disappointed. And I would urge you that if you are our age... If you've seen it before, if you have not seen it since, you are now married, you've got kids, and you have lived a life, <laughs> right, where you have stared into the butthole of your partner for medical yep. reasons, <laughs> right? right? Watch this movie again. Give it a second chance because I think in this second leg of our lives, this movie hits totally different. I loved it. I would have given nothing but trouble one star i give 40 i, I give this is 40 uh, i would say like a seven and a half out of ten so i think the 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 audience that you're looking for is actually where i fall because you mentioned this and i i i said i had never seen it i you know it was on that list of like oh, you had yeah, never I, seen it i had never seen it oh so i was like Oh yeah, you know it was on that it was on my radar for all of the reasons that you just said it was. You know, right. like oh, I recently like last summer rewatched Knocked Up, um, mainly because I was just running through stuff. But I was like, we're gonna have a baby. Like this seems like the appropriate, you know, as you do. Yeah, like, yeah. Father of the Bride Part Two, yeah. uh, Knocked <laughs> Up, Nine Months. <laughs> like I went through all the baby movies, and I was like, all right. Um, Same way you go through all the baby making ones when you're ready right. to start that. Exactly. Nine and a half weeks. <laughs> Pornhub. <laughs> um, and so, I, I coming into this a little fresh, sort of emulated. You know, I was 2007 to 2012. You know, July of last year to June of this year, whatever the equivalent. Mm -hmm. um, and I see exactly how people could have been disappointed there's some through line for some characters like they, they bring a couple other characters from knocked up um one fairly obscure and then jason siegel who was a supporting 
cast, but he, you know, he had a memorable personality in, in knocked up. Right. Um, and those are the only two people that they, they bring through to this movie and they don't explain why they're, they're vaguely the same person. They have the same names, you know, it's been years right in this universe. And so I did sit there for a few minutes and like, well, what happened? You know, why, why did they keep in touch with these people? What happened to everybody else? Where's, uh, you know, Allison and, uh, uh, what's her name? Catherine Heigl's uh, character and Seth Rogen. Where are they? They used to live in the <laughs> the pool house out back. Right. And there's no mention of them. And so I can see how that could distract people. Add to the fact that this is not a blue comedy, right? This isn't a stoner movie, really. This is, I mean, there's parts, but it's not the stoner movie, the blue comedy that Knocked Up was. Right. And that would be utterly distracting. Except for the fact that I'm going to be 36. <laughs> yeah. I'm Get gonna, there, buddy. I'm, I'm going to be 36. I just had a kid. And I've been married since 2016. We've been living together since 2014. This is very relatable stuff happening here. Right? Like, extremely relatable. You talked about the, the, the peeking up the ass with the flashlight, the going to the bathroom. And playing a game on your phone for slightly too long than to your get spouse away. likes. Yeah. And, you know, they're like, where have you been? Pooping. <laughs> Do, really? you just pooping. Like, yeah, I was, had to finish this level, right? Like, that that stuff. And then the relationships with the family. Like, oh, you know, why are you giving your dad money? Like, why are you doing yes. this for, the, you know, like, well, you don't understand why I do this for, for this sibling or this parent and you know, you have your own messed up relationship with your family and your dad. Um, the relationship between the kids has changed, right? They were cute little kids and knocked up. And now um, Sadie is, you know, going in, is in high school and her, you know, her little sister feels abandoned by her because they're not friends anymore because they're at different, you know, they're, they're at that weird age gap. Now, they're so, right? It's so sweet, too. There's that scene. Right where it's almost like the "Do you want to build a snowman?" Yeah, like yeah. You, you just yeah. There's 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 sweetness, there's levity, but it is, it's funny because it's true. Yeah, it's not funny because it's crass or ridiculous or yep. whatever. It's funny because it's true. Yeah, but that's only funny now, and and, yep. and so and that's why I feel like this movie, uh, it just the billing was wrong. It was yep. just, it, it wasn't the right time when you saw it. I now might can, be the right time. If you could disassociate the idea that these characters had a previous story, right? Yes. Or think of it in terms of like, this is this, this is these characters' story. Knocked Up was another character story told from that character's point of view. And so this is a story in that same universe told from this, these characters point of view and all those other characters from knocked up don't factor into this story. And if they do, they only factor into it from what these characters know of them. That's right. That's a great fact, right? Jason Siegel, for example, we saw him in knocked up through Seth's eyes. Yeah. And now you're yep. seeing it through Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann's eyes. Yep. And and that's perhaps a different person. He plays differently. Yep. But yet somehow still the same. I think too, we've seen enough anthologies 
Mm-hmm. In recent years, you know, mm-hmm. like the haunting of Hill Houses and the and the uh, you know American Horror Stories and and yep. all this kind of stuff, where you see the same actors playing different roles and different parts, that I think maybe now people are more ready and able to disassociate characters with a movie that they liked before. Yeah, sure. And and so it's just yeah, I I would really encourage people to go to HBO Max and check out This Is Forty because yeah. I think it earns a second watch later in life and if you're anything like us you'll find it funny did you enjoy it for a first time watch i i did i and i was very very like i want to actually watch it again and have carissa watch it because i i want to have Alyssa watch it i think it just it hits all these notes and i was really impressed that it didn't touch the low-hanging fruit and go for a cheating story or anything like that it's a very it's it's more more relatable that way rather than just saying like oh we're gonna have them cheat on each other and it's it's and it's not even just about their relationship it's about all of their relationships in in at this stage in their lives that are dysfunctional and to have it go that route would have felt too cliche and also too cheap at the same time and it just it just as a package really works and is really i want to say wholesome in some sort of way but i don't know if that's the right way of saying well i think it keeps it relatable throughout right like there if there's a moment where one of them starts cheating because things got tough that's not the narrative i don't think for most marriages right yeah sure half end in divorce whatever it may be for various reasons i'm just not convinced that the narrative for most marriages is infidelity and and i think what this movie allows to happen is that marriage can create conflict enough mm-hmm. that we don't need to introduce further, you know, what, honestly, I agree with you completely. It would have been cheap. It would have been easy to do that because we've seen that a thousand times. Oh, yes. our marriage was tough. Oh, things were hard. You never pay attention to me. You never, yeah, that's all marriages. Yep. Right. And yep. and these guys kind of get through that and find a way where maybe sometimes half the time people get to the other side of that ride and they're like, not for me. Yep. And it doesn't mean people cheated or did whatever. And I think that gave it more complexity uh-huh. and and it didn't have to rely on, you know, something that exactly like you said, would would just be the obvious low hanging fruit. And, and yeah. that really elevated this for me because I related throughout. I didn't get to the end and say, you know, oh, this is totally us, except for that. This mm-hmm. is just totally us. Yeah. And that's also what makes it funny. Because, yeah. and it also, in a way, I would say, I want Alyssa to watch it because I think it would empower our relationship. Because somebody wrote this movie and experienced these things. Right. Yeah. So when we're sitting here feeling like we're the only ones staring at each other's butts or we're the only ones pissed off that I'm hiding in the bathroom four times a day or we're the only right. You're yep. not. Someone yep. else felt this, wrote a movie about it, and it is out there. And Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann found it in themselves to portray these characters because they probably have also lived <laughs> right. this, too. Right. And that's why right. we can laugh at it. And so in a way, it almost is like therapeutic. Right, yeah. you'll get to the yep. end of this and say we're not alone, and it's funny and okay, and we're gonna be okay. And yep. that's honestly, it's it's weird to say. That's kind of how I felt at the end of it. 
Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. So, again, disassociate yourself from Knocked Up. If you haven't watched Knocked Up in a while or haven't seen it, don't. Yeah, don't uh, start with that. Because you can really, as long, and I don't want to say as long as you don't ask these questions. The more and more you and I talked about it over the last couple of days, I did start poking at questions that I had forgotten about. Um, and things that I was like, oh, well, why didn't this happen? Or why didn't this happen? It, it doesn't need to happen. You don't need to worry about it. Just just watch this for what it is, and I think you'll appreciate it. Um, that said, I, I, talking about relatable things, I think, is a really interesting conversation that, that we're going to have in the context of Into the Heights. Ooh, uh, in the Heights. Tim, can I um, just say, your transitions tonight <laughs> are... Stellar, <laughs> stellar, my friend. I just you know, I carry me there, buddy. Pick me up in your arms. Tell me it's all gonna be okay, and carry me into this next segment. Things are gonna be interesting. I think <laughs> I don't know <laughs> that they're gonna be okay. Um, I'm really glad that you and I are talking about this. Um, you know, you have some. Uh, personal experience with this as a as a person of of color and of you know latina latino latinx Mm -hmm. whatever you want to go with Mm, Um, puerto rican puerto rican yeah um (laughs) heritage and experience so i this is really you know it's something i think you've been looking forward to you love hamilton like loved it you know so um i'm familiar with uh, in the heights as the thing that he did before Hamilton. Like, that is my extent. Right. I, you know, I, I know the name. I knew this movie was coming. I knew people loved it. Um, you know, this is where Lin-Manuel Miranda got his, his, his jump. Um, and, you know, Hamilton was like the big thing. So I, I, when this was coming, I knew I was going to watch it. My sister-in-law really likes it. That's my extent. Um, and so I was ready to watch this when it came out. And, I was really interested to to see where you fall in place. I mean, your story is really not that similar at all to to this, yeah. this situation. But as a person of this heritage and background, I feel like you could speak to it a little bit. So I was really interested to get your take on what this movie was going to be like for you. So I was excited to finally be talking about something that I felt at least somewhat qualified to talk about, (laughs) right? Because we do try to have a lot of conversations and and shed light on things. And we are, you know, we're touched by things like anybody else. Sure, we can't necessarily speak to the, you know, you know, but we can empathize, right, on some level um, to the plight of, of various causes. And so, you know, I think... I was excited for this for a lot of reasons. I was introduced to Lin-Manuel Miranda through Hamilton. Obviously, when that blew up in the universe, that was the first time I'd heard this other Puerto Rican's name. I was excited about Hamilton because as Puerto Ricans, we get excited to support, uh, you know, the island's native sons and daughters in anything that they do, right? Yeah. Um, And so, so that was exciting to me. And through the course of, you know, diving into Hamilton, I found out that that wasn't, why he was known and in fact Mm -hmm. he was known by the broadway musical in the heights and immediately i was like what is this right it is like that it really focuses on you know our culture in a way and and the struggles that we have so i was so excited to learn more about in the heights and i immediately heard that it was being adapted to film so i was like great that's Mm -hmm. my other love i'll just wait and see like i don't want to taint it 
By seeing the musical and being disappointed in the movie, I enjoy watching the adaptations of theater Uh to film more often than not, and so I let that be the thing. When I saw In the Heights, which hit HBO Max and theaters same day last Friday, I watched it on Friday. I watched it that night. I told Alyssa, I need you to put the kids to bed. I'm going to watch this. You're welcome to join me, but that's where I'll be, and that's what I'll be doing. And I just was, I was all in. When it ended, I was very disappointed. Mm. And I didn't fully know why. And mm-hmm. and I started all night. I was thinking about it. The next day, I kind of marinated on it. And I said, yeah. you know, there, were, there ended up being a lot of reasons, right? Yeah. Some of them simply just filmmaking choices and, and mm-hmm. things that I just struggled with following um, just at, in, in, on a, at a critic level, right? Sure. And yep. so, so there was that, but I was being bothered by other things as a Puerto Rican watching this movie, and and it was that I knew immediately stuff was lacking, mm. and 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 I so I think I I called you and I said, look, I watched In the Heights, I didn't like it, mm-hmm. and and here and I and you had said, oh, I haven't seen it yet. We're watching it tonight. So I yep. held off on saying anything, and I told you, I said, I need to, because I immediately went online, and I was like, I don't like In the Heights. Like, does, and I don't read reviews. I try really hard not to, and because mm-hmm. uh, I don't want it to taint my opinion. But honestly, it was un- universally positive on that day, on Friday yep. night, Saturday morning. Since yep. that, and as the weekend has gone on, some of the world has kind of caught up to my way of thinking. Not that they've caught up to my way of thinking, but rather I have been... I think validated in as as the sort of tide has settled down. Yeah. People are chiming in with similar sentiment. And so I told you I said I'm going to I need to watch it a second time because I need yeah. to make sure I didn't miss something. Yep. And uh, I mean I think a lot of it too what we spent that initial conversation was talking about that your your relationship to what you were expecting from it um but then also me and somewhat Carissa also in that conversation coming in at it from a theater perspective and a musical perspective. And that's why I called you. I was like, what am I missing from a theater perspective? Yes. Yes. You know, so, cause it's musicals are, 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 are different. (laughs) Musicals are, um, I, I, always think about classic musicals like the music man or guys and dolls or mm-hmm. um you know those older ones kiss me kate bye bye birdie things like that there's a ton going on and that was one of the things you said like there's so much going on and there is to justify all that music right to give people songs there's a lot of different storylines happening there's multiple love interests there's multiple conflicts and things get messy and not everything is resolved right i mean into the woods has a thousand different characters and True. you know there's so much that does get resolved doesn't get resolved um and really it's all frameworked around the music you know most of the time i you have to believe that they start with a song and they start with that and then you work a musical around it right it's not every day you get a a green day and american idiot that was written as a concept rock album and then you can write a musical around it you know you come down with a a hit song uh, you know an idea and it just it flows from there and so 
musicals don't always tie up all their loose ends. This movie's two and a half hours as it is to fit all the songs in. You can't find time to cinch up all the storylines and all of the mess that happens without making it four hours or conversely cutting things, right? It's very similar to the book versus movie Mm -hmm. thing. You know, Mm -hmm. that conversation, this, this musical to movie adaptation is a very similar conversation about how do you edit? What do you cut? Can you cut? People want to see the songs. People want to see certain things. You as the director can't make the choice to cut Carnival and Barrio (laughs) in favor of time because somebody's coming to see this movie for that song. So here's my argument to that. And I, and I agree. Let's start with the easy which yeah. is let's look at it critically as a movie and yep. and the plot lines and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I would argue that that's not true. Mm. So I am a massive fan. The first stage play I ever saw was Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I was mesmerized. And when uh, when I found out there was a film adaptation with Emmy Rossum and Gerard Butler, <laughs> despite Gerard Butler just howling his way through, you know, Phantom of the Opera, I liked the film adaptation. Yeah, you know, I enjoyed it immensely. You know, there were probably people out there who were big fans of the stage play who hate the movie version. Um, I would argue, theater people are theater people to an extent, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the people okay. who need to see In the Heights on stage did that. Mm, and will continue okay. to do that anytime it's on a stage. Sure. When you make the decision to adapt the stage performance to film for a mm-hmm. movie, mm-hmm. right? Your audience, no matter what you think, is no longer theater goers. Your audience yeah. is movie goers. Yeah. Movie goers expect a certain level of uh or a certain way of storytelling that yeah. is just not native on the stage. And yeah. and in they're different mediums. For the same reasons why you name me a movie based on a book that someone who read the book first watched the movie and says, "Damn, that's spot on." Right? Mm-hmm. Every right. single time there are podcasts dedicated to this uh, shout out to the Boovy Girls. They have yeah. a great podcast. If this is yep. an argument you and your friends have, B O O V I E Girls, uh, mm-hmm. check them out. They watch movies and read the books and compare and contrast and decide which one was better. You tell me a time where, you, like, unanimously people think the movie was better than the book. Maybe you can count that on one hand. Yeah. Most of the time people are saying, oh, the book is better. Oh, the book is better. Well, the book is the book. And if you want to mm-hmm. read the book, go read the book. I don't yeah. read books. Me no read read words. <laughs> right? Me want flash pictures. And right. so when they turn that book into a movie, I will go watch the movie. I watched all the Harry Potter movies before I read the books. Why? Because the books, if you watch the movie first, you won't be disappointed. And if yes. you love the movie, go back and read the book because it's only going to enhance that yep. experience of those characters. If you mm-hmm. read the books first and watch the movies, you're going to be disappointed because you got to cut them. You can't, yeah, it, a 700-page novel is a 700-minute movie. Yeah, that will really, never happen. It really does beg the question in my mind: then why? Why do we feel like we can adapt books? Right? Why do you feel like you can cut that down? Why don't you feel 
like, because I don't think this is a problem. I, I don't think this is a unique problem to this musical, right? You know, and and I'm glad they didn't do it with Hamilton. You know, the, your options are to do a filmed version and of the stage the play, yes, or do a, a a theatrical cinematic version, right? And that's and, the difference. And you just why what is what why don't we do that why don't we cut a couple of storylines why don't we give a little bit more talk time right and i think because i think you're right i think if you want to go see the musical go see the musical right and that's the point right if you're gonna adapt a play to a film Mm -hmm. you need to make a movie if you want mm-hmm. to just allow people at home to see your play, then you do mm-hmm. what Hamilton did and you release Into the Woods has one. They all yep. have one. You release yep. the stage production on DVD, Blu-ray, on demand, whatever, and you let people watch the play at home. And you can do it effectively. Now, Hamilton, Hamilton was did a great very, job. Very, very well done. Yes. Right. And I'm not saying that that's the same as the theater, but my point is a lot of what bothered me about In the Heights cinematically right was that the story was too messy there was way too much going on because we don't need all of that in the movie right you don't need to cram every song in sure right the whole idea is behind ip and things being optioned right you got a new york times best-selling book or you've got a multiple tony award-winning theater production and you want to bring that and you want to cash in on the film market, you're going to get greenlit because you have a built-in audience. That's the idea, right? Yeah. A yeah. thousand million bajillion people went and saw Hamilton and In the Heights. And so when we make a movie out of it, those people are going to come watch this movie. And that is mm-hmm. true. And you're going to piss them off because it's not going to live up to the play. Yep. But the other side of that coin is people who went and saw that play, like me, I never saw the play, but I love movies you want to bring that story that successful yeah. story and make it accessible to those of us who don't go to the theater mm-hmm. now you need to speak our language and yeah. the language of film is different than the language of stage and i think yeah. the big failing of this movie is that it isn't a movie it's yeah. a play dressed up like a movie and therefore it is a failure as a movie in my mind. There's too yep. much going on. And in fact, the things that they do cut would have made the movie better. The love stories are boring, mm-hmm. right? It makes no sense why Usnavi yep. and Vanessa aren't together. And we don't have the time to dive into the characters and their love stories. Why, right? She she is both she is ignorant. She in terms of her in terms of Usnavi's affections for her, right? Yep. She yep. is ignorant, she's clueless. Uh, she's she's playing hard to get all at the same time at different points in time with yeah. no explanations as to why. And she's angry about him wanting to leave when she's trying to do the same thing. And we never dive in deeper into the core of who these characters are because yeah. we have to watch the shiny song. Yeah. And, and that is a failing of the movie. Uh, Nina and Benny are a secondary love story. We find out briefly in a song that they were together before and broke up. Yep. Yep. Now they're together again. We find out in another song they bone. Right. And like and it feels so jarring and disjointed that it makes no sense. Additionally, I hear like I remember watching it. And Benny is African American. He mm-hmm. is the only leading character who is not 
Latino. Mm-hmm. And he is with Nina, who plays a Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. In real life, she's Dominican. Yep. Um, Jimmy Smith's is her dad, and he runs the cab, the taxi cab stand or whatever. Yep. yep. And Benny works for him. Yep. Again, in a song, there's this implication that Benny was always opening up the hydrants and being chased by the cops. And the way he met Nina was he went slamming into the door at her dad's office and he let him in reluctantly, right? Like he is African American, not Latino. He's seemingly a troublemaker in the dad's eyes as a young age, mm-hmm. right? And now Benny is with his daughter. Why why are we not exploring uh, a relationship between Benny and Nina's dad where he isn't happy about that relationship because he sees him as an outsider and he sees him as a troublemaker? Mm-hmm. That's right. never. There is no conflict in their relationship besides the conflict that they impose on themselves, right. which is also never explained. Now, I hear that in the stage play, that is... A, a theme that is oh. a plot line so why do you cut that which would have actually made this a more interesting story yeah so so my whole point is is that it's messy it's jumbled it's it you know just the plot lines get too twisted and there's just not enough character development there to really sell me every time you sing a song you're you're trying to sell me on usnavi's desire to go back to the dr but why because his dad had a bar there he thinks that's the time of his life but why isn't it like do you see what i'm saying that is counter to what the the traditional narrative is for people of my culture yeah the, yeah. the narrative is you go to America for a better life. Here you have, and I find this fascinating, here you have a Dominican who wants to go back to the DR. Right. That's his dream. Yep. Let's explore that. Why? And, and you just don't. It's just sort of stated to you as fact. And then you listen to a Piragua song about the Piraguero getting kicked out of the streets by the, by the, by the soft Saucy. serve. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, who cares about the Piragua guy. We already understand that gentrification is happening. I don't need it expressed to me in song right. by the guy who wrote it. Right. Right? Like, give me some more meat on the bones of the characters who are leading this. You're not Usnavi anymore, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Right. So right. Right. Take, a, take a back seat. Yeah. Uh, and also, what, it, to show me George Washington as, <laughs> as Mr. Softy? Like, <laughs> like, fine. Who cares? So... That bothers me. And so I think, you know, my, my overall kind of thought is it fails as a, as a movie. Yeah. A great yeah. play, I'm sure. Not a great movie. We'll get to some positives. We'll do that yeah. at the end. Let's tackle the big one. Yeah. Uh, this, this is sort of blown up since we started talking about it. Yeah. And, and I will, I will credit Carissa because she pointed it out as we were watching it. And I was kind of dismissive of it, thinking like, oh, Lin-Manuel Miranda wouldn't let this happen. You know, uh, let's when I talk to Frank next, I want to get his opinion on this. And we were a little prescient on this. And it's sort of it's started bubbling to the surface. But Carissa points out that the leads, again, the three of them, which are are hispanic one is black but the three of them are very light-skinned latinos yes 
And I was like, yeah, but that's the way they probably are. I don't see him doing this. And I brought it up to you and you agreed wholeheartedly. And, and I, I'm was like, are, okay, are we still being a little sensitive? Are we overcompensating? We're not. <laughs> so I would say to sort of validate where we were going. Yeah. I think you guys came to me with your thought yep. directly from a place of representation of color. Yes. And what was fascinating to me was how we kind of, we were, we were on the same wavelength, yep. but kind of on different boats, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, I saw it immediately. Not, not, what's funny is in my brain, I see it as not color, but it absolutely is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I saw it as cultural misrepresentation. Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. lead in this movie is Dominican. Mm -hmm. Right. There are multiple characters in the background that you see who are supposed to be Dominican. Right. They dance around mm -hmm. with the flag, whatever. Right. There's a whole number that separates the groups. Um, Mexicans, Dominicans. Uh, and it's all really Caribbeans and, and Mexicans. Right. Mm -hmm. Mexicans, mm -hmm. Domini Dominicans, Puerto Ricans and and whatever. Anyways, Cubans. Yep. Cubans. Thank you. So that being said, as a Puerto Rican, we know. Right. Like Puerto Ricans on the island. We have all three kinds. Right, mm -hmm. we my mother and my grandmother could totally pass for white, hundred percent pass for white, full blooded Puerto Rican women, one hundred percent white. Me and my sister, sweet sweet mocha brown, like the <laughs> you know kissed by the Taino blood, right? Um, and then uh, and then you have the people of African, you know, descent who are more influenced by that, who are much darker skinned. We have all three in in, in Puerto Rico, right? The Dominican Republic, which shares its island with Haiti was greatly influenced by the African slave trade and all yeah. kinds of things and therefore are are very much culturally Afro-Latino, regardless mm -hmm. of how they look, right? Salsa music comes from the DR, right? Puerto mm -hmm. Ricans dance to it like crazy. We love it. But Plenas and Bombas is the music of Puerto Rico. The, the Dominicans, salsa, merengue, these are the beats and the rhythms of African influence, right? Yeah. So, so for me, regardless of color, I did not see that cultural representation of Afro-Latino. And, yeah. and, and you would expect to see that with Dominicans. Now, that being said, and not to make a generalization, right? But mm -hmm. Dominicans tend to be darker, mm -hmm. right? Because okay. of that influence, because of of you know Haiti and and the African slave trade and all this kind of stuff a majority of Domin maybe not a majority but Dominicans tend to be darker skinned mm -hmm. and when i saw Usnavi played by Anthony Ramos who is Puerto Rican yeah right and light skinned when i saw um Literally all the leads and, and in the Broadway original Broadway cast was, was Lin-Manuel Miranda Right. Also Puerto Rican. And light-skinned. So, you know, there is a gross misrepresentation. Yeah. Because Afro-Latino is a big part of not only visually our culture, right? Mm -hmm. And speaking in, like, the universal... I mean, you shouldn't generalize, but speaking in the Latino culture, not only is the African influence visually predominant in our mm -hmm. skin color and in our tone, but also in our culture, our mm -hmm. music... Our dialect, our 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 manner, like all of like we share common blood, yeah. And and I feel like that was grossly missing when I watched it. 
everybody in the movie, like all the main actors, looked the same. Yeah. They were all the same tone. They had the same mannerism. And in fact, even in the writing, and you can tell that it's it's written by the in the perspective of someone who really I mean, we can't know all things. Yeah, right? right. Lin Manuel wrote this movie trying to shed light the best that he could on a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. But he can only speak to his own journey. And yeah. that is you cannot fault a man for that. Sure. But everyone kind of had the same struggle. Right. Everyone's story was kind of the same. Everyone kind of looked the same, you know, and I say that because, you know, in terms of representation, you have Puerto Rican characters. Right. The issue with being Puerto Rican in the United States is a fascinating one to me. And I'm sure and I'm biased, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you have Puerto Ricans are born United States citizens. For anyone listening who does not know that Puerto Rico is a territory of the U.S. and we are born (laughs) United States citizens. Shame on you. Right. But what's interesting is it doesn't matter that we come here as if it's the same as you driving from Jersey to Virginia or D.C. to Maryland, flying from Puerto Rico to the United States is the exact same thing. But when you're here, you're treated as less than. Mm -hmm. Right. And and you're kind of lumped in with everybody else. So you come to a place of which you belong, but yet you don't belong. Yes. Right. I think that's fascinating. Additionally, for those of us like me who are born in the United States and practically raised here, I only lived in Puerto Rico for a short time. Yeah. But I myself am raised Puerto Rican. Yeah. And I identify as Puerto Rican. And but being born here, it's almost like it disqualifies me to island-born Puerto Ricans. I think I feel like we see that play out a lot in the African American experience in, in culture too, right? If you're light skinned, yes. a lot of the times you, the, at least the way it's uh, it's been portrayed in 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 different media and 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 stories and things, and books and articles that I've read, said a lot of times light fo- light skinned folks aren't accepted by either as well. You're either not black enough or you're not white, white enough, you know, or not yeah. white enough. So, um, yeah, that, that's a really interesting kind of dynamic. Well, and that's the case here, right? For me, I'm not Puerto Rican enough because I'm born and raised here and I'm not American either because I'm Puerto yes. Rican. Right. So it's like you kind of operate in this limbo where you don't really belong. Now, that's not how I felt in my family, right? right? Your parents, everyone around you is like, oh, eres Puerto Rican, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's not how the, 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 you know, the, uh, the other Puerto Ricans see you. So, yeah. you know, I think, um, I think that's a missed opportunity with the character of Nina where Jimmy Smith's could have been Puerto Rican. Maybe there's other Puerto Ricans on the block. Of course there are, but maybe Nina's born in the United States. Right? Yeah. Why don't we see maybe some interaction where it's like, Oh, you know, Nina talks about wanting to help all the dreamers. How come there's no conflict of like, but you don't understand you're a citizen. You haven't had yeah. to fight our fight. Right. But, and maybe Nina's seen as an outsider in her own community. And then when she goes to school, she's ostracized and seen as a immigrant or a whatever and, yeah. and is not accepted by American culture. Right. Right. And that would have been a fascinating exploration of the Puerto Rican experience. Yeah. I think I pointed out to you at one point, I felt like they were unclear of generation generationally where the story took place. Yes. Right. Like, are they 
first and second generation or have they been here for a while and, and it it sort of changes for each character and i think that makes it muddy you know i had asked you about the dinner scene and i was like i mean these are all different people they're they're puerto rican and dominican and yet grandma knows how to cook a dinner for everybody that satisfies everybody and you're like no like our, our, we don't our all eat the same food right yeah. and it just, and she's like and you said like she wouldn't know how to cook all of this food correctly for all of these people like yeah. it's just we have similar food right but yeah. like you know the porter or the the mexicans have tamales we don't have tamales we don't eat a lot of corn yeah you know like you know it's just anyways yes it's but, but that aside i could appreciate the sense of community i remember when we moved here mm-hmm. um you my grandmother was already here yeah. And and she and you know my grandfather and so we came we moved here we lived with them until my mom could get on her feet and then we got our own place we moved to Stafford and I was one of three <laughs> Hispanic right. kids right and we all bunched together though my core group of friends growing up were all the Spanish kids <laughs> that we could find it was me Rico and Enrique <laughs> so me Rico and Ricky. <laughs> And then our friend Chris Wasik, who was half Mexican but half Polish on his father's <laughs> side, so he had Wasik and could totally pass. Um, so he was our daywalker. And then we had a white kid named Daniel. So, like, you know, but we, we were a somewhat diverse group, but we did band together. My mom, when she got a job with the federal government, you know, through the Job Corps program and things like that, a lot of Puerto Ricans came over to work at Department of Labor where my mom worked. And immediately we had a core group of friends all puerto rican right mm-hmm. carlos fritz heidi claudia like all of my f- mom's friends were puerto ricans who had come to work here yeah at the dol and so growing up these were the people that i partied with and hung out with to the point like on my 18th birthday i was like oh what do you want to do i didn't want to see any of my friends i was like i want to hang with your friends because right. it was it felt like home to me right yeah. and they were i mean they're adopted family so yeah. I can totally relate to that sense of community and all that kind of stuff. And I think that that's captured well here mm-hmm, to an mm-hmm. extent. Um, yeah. That's something that works. I just feel like there's so many cultural misrepresentations and missed opportunities. And that certainly extends to the physical appearances of the leads. We need to get to a place where we're letting the stories be told by, by the people they actually look like. And that's the part that's blown up in the last couple of days is that people are are are, are recognizing that and people are, are saying what Carissa said, which is I don't necessarily I, I that these characters are whitewashed to a degree. And to me, that's really disappointing from the, the person who made Hamilton and had to have executive producing control over this film. You know, you, you went out of your way in Hamilton to make these characters you know, play these characters not by the ethnicities that they were, and then you turn around and have this movie not represent the people that they're supposed to be. It, it's it, it is yeah. It, it is it's a fine it's, line. Yeah, and it, it's and he's and Lin Manuel Miranda's released a statement about it. And, a great statement. You should yeah, and it's. Uh, it is. It is just disappointing that we're still there. I mean, and I don't know how much change you can expect so quickly from things, but that one just seemed obvious. So, like, and that's what I, I don't want to speak to anybody's 
way of thinking. And and we yeah. can all, with hindsight, say, oh, I, I, I would have done it better. Yeah. I don't know what I would have done. You, right? Sure. It's a thin line between casting the, the people visually who are right yeah. and casting the people who are best for the, the role. Yeah. I can't believe that there aren't people who... Um, actors who look closer to what we should be striving for, who could also perform admirably, right? And that's that's the argument that we've seen in recent years about any of these old casting choices. I mean, Hollywood in the fifties was notorious for you know their their casting of uh, of Native Americans and not using actual Native Americans or using people that are like vaguely, you know, um, Hispanic men that maybe look Native American, right? Like, and um, some of the things where, you know, they've used terrible prosthetics on Mickey Rooney, right? To make him look Asian rather than finding, you know, uh, casting an Asian person. Um, you know, even some of the voice, the, the voice casting, right? They've just, they a black character is voiced by a white guy on, you know, uh, 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 the Simpsons, right? With, with, uh, Apu. I mean, right? Hank Azaria has come out and apologized yeah. for Apu. Yep. Yeah. So, so, yes, it's, there is, there's a lot that can be said. I would agree with you, right? Like, again, with hindsight, as an outsider looking in, yep. if yep. I'm writing a play about a Dominican, I probably would have cast someone darker skin because that seems more accurate to me. Yeah. Um, or at least taking the opportunity to to make, I mean, even if, you, if you're not going to explore the outsider perspective through the character of Benny, well, yeah. do it through the character of Nina and make Benny Afro-Latino. Like, yeah. you know, just do change it up. Do something yep. like you don't have to stick to the script because obviously you didn't. You dropped the whole Nina's dad storyline, so which right. would have made this better. Um, all of that being said, it, it's got to be said. Lin Manuel did issue a statement, and it was really great. Check it out. He, you know, are apologies needed? I don't know, but maybe just responsibility taken and saying like I could have done better. I will do yeah. better. Um, yeah. You know, and I think his intentions, we got to say, it was the same with Hamilton, right? People are like, yeah. well, you're not exploring, like, this isn't the truth behind this. Look, we're opening up the dialogue. We're opening up the conversation. Um, I kind of saw it more as, like, missed opportunity to tell some really important stories. Yep. Um, and I think this is, you know, it's it's we learn and we go from here. And I think, if anything, maybe this will inspire the next Latin filmmaker to do it even better. Yeah. To tell an engaging story. Right? Maybe I'm going to write the, the Puerto Rican story of, of whatever. Who knows? Um, that being said, this movie is worth your time. I know we've yeah. just spent like yeah. a half an hour telling you all the reasons why this movie right. doesn't work. And it's not that they're not true. It doesn't make it not worth your time. Visually right. stunning. The music, The music, excellent. Yep. Everything you would expect from a Lin Manuel production. I've been listening to the soundtrack a lot today because um, the, I mean, the the style of music obviously it just gets in you, right? Yes. You know the 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 that Afro beat the the Latin infusion. I mean, it just you can't help but move. But then add in um, 
his lyrical content and the the, the rap and the hip hop elements, it's just fun. It's like Hamilton, right? It's it's fun music to listen to. So much storytelling and exposition yeah. in the lyrics. Yes, yes. I mean, just listening to the opening song in the Heights again a couple times today, you're like, I missed all of this exposition when I was watching it and visually, I mean, I can pick out two moments off the bat that were stunning. There's a scene in, again, in that opening song where Usnavi is looking out the window and you're seeing the dancers dance in the reflection of the bodega. Like you're looking in the window on him and you're seeing the dancers and you see this whole street of dancers in a reflection. It was awesome. And then the scene at the pool where they're all dancing in the pool and, um, and Sonny has a little, uh, uh, solo in his rap and there's guys doing contortion act behind him like it's nuts i mean it, there's some really big big numbers going on here and it's a lot of fun to watch and color wise it's gorgeous it's a gorgeously shot movie absolutely i think there's some really cool stuff that happens in here um really what 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 proves that bringing a stage production to film is something we should be doing as long as we're mm-hmm. doing it the right way and addressing yeah. the correct audience yeah. is that you can just do things on camera and in post that you can't do on st- We can do a lot of great things on a stage yeah. and you'll watch. Yep. I mean, again, when I saw Phantom and it, and the stage suddenly became water and yeah. candles were floating and the Phantom is rowing Christine into his lair. And I was like, when did this place fill with water? Right? Like, yeah. Yep. Gorgeous, right? Yep. Not to take away from stage, but you can do really cool things on film. And they brought and elevated this storytelling visually to a whole new level, to, yes. to all new heights, one might say. <laughs> um, one last thing I do want to say, and not to backtrack and go back to the negative, but in terms of representation, yes, we're talking about color. Yes, there's a lot of people talking about color, and we're talking about cultural representation as well. But I also want to make a point to point out one other thing, the representation of women. And yeah. and, and I do think there is, um, you know, there is representation in the background, the dancers. One thing, I mean, John Chu, I love you, but... Really, your answer to the question of representation is going to be, well, what about the dancers and the backgrounds? Like, we got yeah. big women and we've got small women and we've got black guys bl- and white guys. I have a black friend. Right. And it's kind of like, well, that's not what we're talking about here, John. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. we need to be in the lead. Um, yeah. Every of the, of the leads, they're all rail thin. Yeah. Um, you know, Vanessa's like six pack abs and, you know, boobs constantly pouring out and, yep. and, and Nina is, you know, just super thin and whatever, like not really the most accurate visual, uh, visual representation of not just Latin women, but women yeah. in general, like let's yeah. also diversify the body types that we're showing and, yeah. and we could eat like, there's no easy way to have this conversation without it sounding like, oh, we need some more tubby people. And that's not what I'm saying. There's just, there's different body types. Like, um, I think about like a Gina Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. That's kind mm-hmm. of in my mind how I picture beautiful women, right? Real women yes. have curves. Let's get some yep. real women in these roles. Yep. And so, you know, again, I think another shortcoming. Like, that's just not what our women generally look like. And they are gorgeous. But anyways... Yeah, it- you know, we people are, will argue, you know, that we're in a world that that you know is, is going too far 
in, you know, talking about things like this. But in this case, when it's supposed to be something, supposed to be advocating for something that it's that it's not doing, it's even more more obvious, right? I mean, at the end of the day, I think a theater audience is, is again, predominantly white. Um, there's been lots of discussions. You know, it's, it's how do we bring the younger audience in? How do we bring the, you know... Uh, the the black community how do we bring the hispanic community how do we make this more accessible to to people that um aren't old and white and have pockets lined with cash right because that's it's especially in dc it's a status thing you know people are renewing their subscriptions at, at some of these big theaters because that's what they've always done with their money and they could care less what's being performed it's about having a subscription to shakespeare or or the kennedy center or you know i go to the opera like but do you go to the opera or do you go oh, we go to the opera? Right. You know well, what I mean? I'll never forget. Alyssa and I went to go listen to a Spanish duo, like a duo, a music duo from Spain at Kennedy center. I rem- mm-hmm. So we went there, um, you know, they play the music kind of in the, like mm-hmm. in the lobby. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you can kind of go outside the doors and you're out on the balcony, but then yep. right there in the lobby, they'll set up some music on like a little makeshift stage and you just go and listen. And uh, and it was free, and that night was also a production of Hamilton. Yeah, I remember walking out with Elissa, and she pointed it out to me first. And we're walking out at this line waiting to go in, and this play that is supposed to be that is being celebrated as final, you know, representation for people of color for all this. Every single person in the line was white. Yep. And like, here's this play that's supposed to be for me. And I can't get in. <laughs> like, yeah, because you know, tickets are two hundred dollars, right? And, and it's right? and it's just like so. So you know, again, it's like that's and that's not a knock on the show, but yeah. that's the audience there. So if you want to make this accessible, you know, on HBO Max for fourteen ninety nine for the month, and I can watch this movie. Well, now you're actually going to attract the people you really made this yep. for. Yeah. Right. The people like me and. When I'm when I'm turning it on, I'm still not seeing me. Yeah, I'm not yeah. hearing my story, and I'm not yeah. saying in the lead. The lead is a Dominican. His story yeah. is not my story. But you have a, a secondary lead who is Puerto Rican and has screen time. I'm not hearing my story, right? Yep. I'm not seeing my color. I'm not seeing the people I'm even, used to seeing. I, I know we're we're kind of dragging this out a little bit, but even even then when we do touch on things that people are more familiar with the dreamers, right? It's a throwaway. It's a oh throwaway my... plot line. Yes. It, I thought there would be more of that. And it's like mentioned late. And then we don't know the resolve of it again. Right. Cause we didn't edit this for a more theatrical. Uh, run. We, we don't know the resolve of, of it. We and, don't know the resolve of almost any story. And in previous discussions, we, we realized that there was an easy way to handle that. There's all this memorabilia from this time uh, in Usnavi's new shop. And they could have thrown some pictures on the wall, right? Some graduation photos for, for Sonny. Some, I don't know, marriage pictures for the other couples. You know, something like that. Um, Again, Sonny, so, Dominican in the movie, Puerto Rican in real life. And light yeah. skin. Sorry. Yeah. I'm just, at this so, point. It, Let's let, let's kind of wrap it wrap it up in, in a bow here. This is a lot of fun. It, it's a it's a great thing to do on a Saturday night. Put your put it through your stereo. Watch it. It's great. Um, the music is fun. It stays with you. You're gonna download the soundtrack if you like Hamilton at all. Um, 
and I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of this passes over you, right? I'm I'm acutely, I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm aware of this due to my relationships, you know, with you, with other people. I have people in my life that are of different heritage, right? So I can Mm kind of... I, I can kind of interpret that and having you to kind of bounce some of this stuff off of when I question it um, is, is really helpful. Um, you know, so I, I, you know, if you're, if you watch this and you don't see it, then I'm not saying that's a problem that, but that's sort of what whitewashing is designed to do, right? Like mm. it's, you're supposed to just kind of see it. Um but that's part of a bigger a bigger issue that this podcast is not about. So. I agree. And I think, you know, this one kind of hit me a little close. Closer yeah. than I expected and more so than I expected. Um, I noticed it the night I saw it and I just felt like it was lacking and I couldn't shake that. So, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, and, and, and but again, not only for the cultural and the representation stuff, but also just for the, the shortfalls of it as a movie in general. Um, And and being a a movie lover, I I felt let down by it. That being said, it didn't live up to my expectations, which were high. And that's always a bad situation for any movie. Because when your expectations are high, the only place you can go is down. And unfortunately, this one dropped lower than I had expected. Yeah. That being said, at its lowest point, it's still generally an enjoyable movie it is uh, a fun show it is great music you know yeah the representation is lacking but at the same time it's also great to see so many latino actors come together to tell a story right and and let's you know and it's so hard and it's like we don't want to detract from the work that got put into this because they didn't do enough. This is not a knock on Anthony Ramos or or anybody, right, who mm-hmm. is involved in this movie. It is just simply, you know, and and we should celebrate their hard work and because it's fun. It is yep. fun and it's yep. gorgeous and it's sumptuous and it's and it has the hints of everything you want it to be. I will just say that if you are like me, it may the hints just may fall a little bit short. Yeah. But don't let that keep you from watching it. Make yeah. your own opinion. Yep. And uh and 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 let's celebrate what was done because we're not going to get more of them done right and done better if we're not showing love to the ones that are made. Cuz all that's going to yeah. happen is the studios are going to say, "I gave you your shot to put all your brown people in a movie and no one went and saw it." Yeah. You know? So go yep. see it and uh and and make up your own opinions. Um, you won't be you you won't be sad that you saw it. Right. That's that's. I it. agree. You won't be yep. sad that you saw it. Not at all. Not at all. All right. This one went way longer than we thought, <laughs> but we knew we had a lot to tackle here. Yeah. And we had to do it delicately. Yep. At least as best we could. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um. Let's see. Let's wrap this up. As always. Um, next week, next week, next week, you know, we've been talking a long time about doing Arrival. Um, Arrival was available on Amazon Prime and in all the time we've done the talking and then in the heights dropped and then we felt a really strong way about it. Mm -hmm. Arrival has left, uh, Amazon Prime. Um, but it usually pops up somewhere and I will say, mm, not to give too much away, but 
I think it's still worth talking about. Let's just say that it's worth talking yes. about and it's worth yep. people watching it. Yeah, it 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 was sort of surprising how easy we let that slide till next week. I think that's how fiery we were about about into the heights. Yeah, I keep saying into the heights, like into the you, you do, well, you say into like, the woods. Yeah, yeah, it's it, in like, the heights. Yeah, um, we we were so picked up uh, on on in the heights, but. For the week prior to that, we were all about Arrival. Um, and I've forgotten about it. I need to like yeah. watch it again. Yeah, so it's definitely something we need to talk about because um, I, I I just, I'm really stoked about about that movie for something I hadn't seen before. Um, and it's still, it's prescient. It's happening. <laughs> so true. Yeah, so let's... um. Let's do that, man. I feel bad because we waited so long on Tombstone, people had to like pay to rent it. So if you want to watch Arrival, you're probably going to have to pay to rent it or buy it. Um, I don't think you'll be disappointed if you have to do that. So yeah. so let's just do it again. I know we try to keep it to streaming, but we're going to throw one out there for you guys and discuss Arrival uh, starring Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. Um, Forrest Whitaker's in it. So yep. if you haven't seen it and you want to see it before next week's episode... Go check it out. Um, otherwise, we will see you next week to discuss it here mm-hmm. on this mm-hmm. show. Uh, yep. And we promise not to get real heavy. That's not true. We'll probably get heavy, <laughs> but not like this. Um, and uh, in the meantime, check us out on Instagram at Pause Reviews. You can shoot us emails, pausereviews at gmail.com. Obviously, go to the website, pausereviews.com. All the episodes are there, hosted by Podbean. Also, links to everywhere that you can get the show. Everything from Apple Podcasts to YouTube to anything in between. Um, Shoot us DMs, anything you guys want us to talk about. Let us know your thoughts on this episode or any of the others. And we'll be happy to share your comments and discuss them on the next episodes. Um, All that good stuff, man. We're always looking for recommendations. We're always looking to hear from you. So share your thoughts with us at all those places. Yeah. We're we're everywhere. Except Facebook, Twitter, (laughs) (laughs) Twitch, (laughs) TikTok. Ooh, maybe we should do a TikTok. I want to see Tim do all Vine's not a thing anymore, Tim. (laughs) I don't think it is. Yeah. I was about to be like, now you showed your age. Maybe I showed mine. I think it's gone and it's like this super underground thing that only the kids know about. Only fans. Only that's what we need, Tim. We need a pause reviews only fans account. That's what the people want to see. You can watch me record without a shirt. Yeah, and you can watch me just be fat. <laughs> Talk about representation. I love all my curves. I'm doing a little wiggle right now. I love it. All right, man. It. So yeah, <laughs> that is true. You are shirtless, and you know what's better? I'm pantsless. So together, we're full we nude. Yep. <laughs> oh, you see dressed. the you see the glass half full. I see the glass fully naked. <laughs> so, as always, thank you for joining us. We will catch you next week. I'm your boy Frank. This is Tim. All right, we'll see you when we see you. So long. Peace.